From strolling in the great market hall to an evening at a cozy restaurant accompanied by gypsy violins, there's a fragrance in the air that tells you something delicious is about to be served. For a look at the food traditions of Hungary, we're joined by Budapest-based tour guides George Farkas and Peter Poltzman. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. George, what can you learn about the story of the Hungarian people through your cuisine? Well, I think um, one of the things is the, the difference between how hospitality is understood between Hungary and the rest of the world. Hungarians feel hospitable if they can stuff their guests as much as possible. So food is uh, love. Yes, that's what happens. And we give them as much as we can. And we, we will not understand if they don't eat more. Uh, so we will push it as much as we can. And uh, it's interesting how they first resist and then they go for it. If vice versa, you get invited to a foreign house, we get very sort of uh, surprised. How come we're not fed? And how come we only get a, um, a slice of meat and, and three roll, three <laughs> roll of potatoes? Don't you love me? <laughs> I know. You know yeah, I've yeah. had that frustration, in, in, especially when I go to people's homes. We're, we're taught to clean our plate. Right. And in some yeah. cultures, you cannot clean your plate no, because you, there's always more food on it. I don't think you could in Hungary. Now, Peter, Hungary has long been a crossroads, and that, that has a huge impact on the cuisine. How has been the crossroads heritage of Hungary impacted the cuisine? You can find lots of Germanic stuff there. That is the sausage, the sauerkraut, the schnitzel. That's a very popular mm-hmm. thing as well. But you can also find a lot of Balkan experience there, especially Turkish. The Turks brought paprika to the Hungarians. The way we prepare our soups with chopping up onions and stir-frying the onions, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a Turkish thing. So um, the Hungarian cuisine reflects basically everything that, that's around in the neighborhood. The westernmost minaret, I think, is in Hungary in uh, Eger, right? Exactly. Hungarians love to brag about their cuisine. How would you compare Hungarian cuisine to your neighbors, Czech Republic, Slovenia, Slovakia? Well, you will feel it the moment you set food in the country. Number one, we use a lot more spices. To me, I love Czech, I love Polish, but it tends to be very flat. It's meats, it's starches, but because they don't use uh, many spices, it tends to be flat to me. And then you just cross the border and uh, there's paprika, there's all kinds of spices coming into your mouth and it's beautiful. So if you had to spend the rest of your life eating Hungarian cuisine or Slovakian cuisine, what would your choice be? <laughs> well, I hope both. <laughs> but if to I be have politically to correct. To one, oh, absolutely. Magyar. Magyar means Hungarian. Magyar, yeah. Magyar. Magyar. Yeah. How is Hungarian cuisine changing? Is there a modern cuisine? That... Oh, definitely. The, the, the huge thing, which sometimes backfires, is the uh, fusion food now. Everyone is very excited about uh, basically taking the roots of the Hungarian food and sort of um, blend it down, if one can say something like that. So basically make it less heavy, less greasy, redesign and rethink, rethink, re- it. rethink it. From a practical point of view, there's different kinds of eateries. There's aristocratic eateries, there's street food and so on. Peter, can you do a quick review of the, the different kinds of places a, a traveler might eat in in Hungary? Well, if you want to go to a traditional restaurant, you will find it. I mean, you would get goulash soup, you would get uh, paprika chicken, uh, uh, then maybe a, a gypsy band playing in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the classic Hungarian. And I wouldn't say no to it, but there's a lot more to uh, Hungarian cuisine so these So you days. got that classic, obvious, uh, almost clichetic, touristy restaurant with, with the gypsy band, which really is a great thing to have the music at the meal. And then you've got a uh, more traditional diner. Yeah, 
there are lots of small places where you can get good hearty food, which is not necessarily the same thing as, as the restaurant food. Mm-hmm. What surprises me, just going back to what George said right now, uh, Hungary, uh, half the country is flat and we have a lot of vegetables mm-hmm. and people didn't eat meat all the time, let's say 100 years ago. And uh, and that's one thing that's coming back, especially to regular everyday Hungarian uh, cuisine these days, more vegetables. Mm. And in, in some of these uh, small local les- restaurants, you can get vegetable stews, for example, which is a okay. really popular thing. It's first, like, so that would be Hungarian. part of this uh, newer cuisine that would be healthier? Uh, absolutely. My wife, wife is a vegetarian, so I know all about uh, all, about, all yeah. about the modern Hungarian cuisine. And, um, and boy, it's delightful. It's just, it's a revelation. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm speaking with Peter Poltzman and George Farkas, both guides from Budapest. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Sid's calling from Atlanta in Georgia. Sid, what's your favorite Hungarian food? Well, I am loving anything that has the South's favorite ingredient, which is pork. I'm very interested, too, in in the kind of spices that are indicative of the Hungarian cuisine. And even though it may seem trite, I'm very interested in the history of paprika. That's a great question. It's certainly the quintessential Hungarian ingredient. George and Peter, what what are the origins of uh, paprika and how would we most enjoy it? First of all, um, the Turks brought it in. We blame a lot of things on the Turks, but that's one good thing that, uh, that they gave us. The climate is just perfect to grow peppers. So that's where paprika comes from. They used to call it Turkish peppers. It's a pepper and that you pick uh, usually in the southern part of the Great Plain and then uh, you dry it and then uh, you grind it and then that's how you get the powder form. But these days you can get paprika paste. Uh, you can get the powder form. You can get, get it in various different versions. Do you have you have actually have a paprika shaker along with a pepper and a yeah. salt shaker? In, at the in table? a traditional restaurant, that's what you would find. Actually, the jar is more popular these days in in the restaurant, just normal restaurant on the street. Strong Steve, if you find a guy on it. Strong Steve, what's that? It's hot paprika <laughs> it's a paste. and sweet Anna is the paprika paste. And Which sweet actually, Anna is is the sweet one. What yeah. is sweet who? Sweet Anna. So there's sweet Anna. Anna and strong <laughs> Steve. I like that. Uh, George, how do you say that in Hungarian? Erős Pista, and édes Anna. Strong Stephen. But it's it's an answer to those that can't really take hot food because we have sweet and uh, and hot paprika even during the preparation. And the the idea behind the paprika is also the technique how it's grinded. Um, mm-hmm. You have to be extremely slow because after you go over a, or above a certain speed, you will burn the paprika. Oh. Even while you're cooking, it's very important when you take it off the stove to make sure that you don't burn your paprika on your onion. If you do, you have to throw it away and start the whole process again because you're going to ruin your food. So a Hungarian probably is, has very high standards when it comes to how the food is Oh, they're seasoned. very particular. If it's not yeah. right, send it yeah. back. Right, yeah. Strong Steve and Sweet Anna. I got to remember That's that. That's what it is. Because yeah. <laughs> strong, strong Steve is probably very strong. Can, can a typical tourist enjoy the Strong Steve? Uh, it depends on the amount they yeah, eat. They can yeah. Do, yeah. It's, um, very... it's not jalapenos, though. Yeah. It's, oh, it's not it's very as hot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sid, that's, there's some good tips for you. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your call. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're spicing up our travels with a little look at Hungarian cuisine. You know, a lot of tourists I know are actually a little disappointed when they have their Hungarian goulash because it's it's not what they anticipated. George, how do you uh, teach Hungarian goulash to your travels? Well, I start with having them tasting it because uh, it is completely different. It is a soup. It's not a stew. And that's what the huge difference is and, and misinterpretation. So it's a, yeah, so we think of it as a stew. Right, right yeah. And it is a soup. Uh, so um, there's a lot of veggies potatoes and it's actually a full dish so for instance typical Sunday lunch would be a good bowl of goulash and maybe a hundred pancakes at the end 
And when we talk about pancakes, it's grapes. Did it's you not a hundred pancakes. That's the minimum that grandma <laughs> needs to do. So uh, over yeah. Sunday morning, uh, she'll be uh, up there flipping pancakes. We're going so. over to grandma. She's gonna, <laughs> yeah. Do you actually say that just as yeah. a, as no, a no, phrase, hundred pancakes? Yeah, that's the that's minimum. That's a pile of pancakes. Right. And then all afternoon, you go by, roll one up, uh, put some jam in, and then you get another one, and another one, and another one as the course of the afternoon passes pancakes. by. Pancakes. So let's finish off with sweets because we've just had a hundred pancakes. We need more sweets. Um, if you're if you're running around uh, uh, Vienna, you get a lot of sweets. I mean, Vienna just pours the chocolate cake on you and all right. the fancy sweets. Uh, how do the is the Hungarian half of the Austro-Hungarian Empire cuisine? heritage work. Uh, what are the sweets, George? In... Well, I think one of the, the main ones that we're very proud of is our strudel. I myself always encourage people, I say that's the one that you can eat as much as you want because there's absolutely no dough in there. The technique is very unique. They pull the dough to a thin quality. So basically the good measure of a dough is you need to put a newspaper under and then if you're able to read it, then it's the right size of the dough. And then you put only the fill in, let it be apple, whatever that is, and you use the tablecloth to roll up the dough in order so to the dough bake needs it to be 15 that minutes. thin that you can read the newspaper through it. Right, uh, yeah. Okay, so Therefore, once once it bakes, uh, it's very crispy. Super um, flaky. Yeah, yeah. That's so there quality. is no dough. If you were going to go to one venerable cafe in Budapest and enjoy that, what cafe would you go to? Oh, I would go to one of the hidden ones. Um, I'm not sure if you want to reveal it. Ah, um, a hidden one. So there yeah. are the little neighborhood cafes. But that's one it? of the reasons why you need to come and see us, and we'll show you. Because <laughs> everybody goes to, what's the, what's the big famous one? <laughs> the Jadbo. and New York Cafe. You probably want to stay away from that and go to the, one of the hidden ones. This is very nice. So fun to talk to you guys. <laughs> We've got an email from Kristen in Naperville, Illinois, and, and she writes, When I visited Hungary on my honeymoon, I fell in love with langos. Uh, mm. I hope she was falling in love also with her uh, new husband. I ate, I ate langos <laughs> upstairs at the Great Market Hall in Budapest. We visited Hungarian friends and we enjoyed the traditional sour cream and cheese version of this delicious treat. Peter, introduce us to langos. Am I pronouncing it right? Langos? Perfect, yeah. Langos, because this is sort of like the, the Hungarian donut, isn't it? Yeah, langos is a deep fried dough. It's hot, you put sour cream and cheese on it, so you're not going for ice cream or something, you go for langos. Um, but people fell in love with it, and and you can buy it everywhere. Market Hall is actually one of the best places to, uh, to do so. So the if, Market Hall in Budapest, it's in the big Budapest industrial is. Market Hall, and you can go upstairs, and they've got these langos stalls. The longest line at 1 o'clock? Yeah, yeah, you have to fight your way through. Um, so do you get, you get a langos that's a, a savory one, and then a sweet one, or how does that work? The uh, Well, you can just get a plain one, uh, mm-hmm. but there's toppings as well. Uh, sour cream and cheese are, are the classic ones, and a peach sour. of garlic. Let's not forget that. Sour cream and cheese with a little bit of garlic. Garlic on top, wash it down with a pint of beer. Right, oh, George? that sounds good. George, yes. what's your, what's yeah. your longo? <laughs> what's your longo? Exactly the same, but I can only allow myself to have one a year. Yeah, because it's a very heavy food. So. <laughs> Last time we had it, we shared it, right? Right. <laughs> very nice. Hey, George Farkas and Peter Poltzman, how do I say thank you in Hungarian? Kusunum. Kusunum. Thank you very much for sharing your culture and your cuisine. You're welcome. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.